You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome back to Interstate, the Can- the state of Kansas recruiting show. Really excited to get this back up and going now that high school football games across the state of Kansas have been going on for a little bit over a month now. As always, I'm joined by Ryan Wallace of GoPowerCat.com and Kevin Flaherty of our more 24-7 sports national side. I am Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 sports, and we're going to talk a lot about the 2025 class in the state of Kansas. It's loaded with talent. All of us have been able to go out to varying levels to see games so far this year. Ryan, I know you've been out on the road. I think the most of the three of us, where (laughs) all have you been able to go so far to see games? Oh God. I'm trying to think where, where I haven't been. Uh, (laughs) Kevin, Kevin and I have been down to Wichita and back because we both live in Kansas city. So we've been down, down and back to Wichita twice already Mm. in the first four weeks uh, I've been out and saw a really, really good uh, Gardner Edgerton team just put a whooping on Mill Valley. Um, and I've also kind of hung around um, local and seen Blue Valley and Blue Valley Northwest. It was a John Priceless Blue Valley, uh, but still a lot of Huskies that I was able to, to see and some up and comers on Blue Valley as well in 2025. And then it, it doesn't pertain to this show, but caught a little Rockhurst and Liberty North on the KC Mo side. That's still good. Well, you know, Kevin and I kind of got a little bit of both action this past Friday. Mm-hmm. Got to see Blue Valley Northwest against Lee Summit North, which I think might be the most talented team in the KC Metro. Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we could start so many places. I think we should probably start, Ryan, with with where you were this past Friday, getting to see Jaden Woods, who I think we've talked about this on the show before we probably would agree is probably the consensus best player right now in the 2025 class. Um, you mentioned the game, what you saw, but just what you see from Jaden getting to see him in person now that his junior season is really underway. Well, you know, it was an interesting game for that defense because um, the Gardner Edgerton offense is, you know, kind of that triple option kind of uh, wing T St. Thomas Aquinas style look that's, uh, just trying to catch you off guard through the air. So uh, it was a game where Jaden was uh, probably less dynamic if you go back and look on the tape. But I think a lot of that had to do with him trying to play his assignments and trying to be more of a run stopper more than anything. But, you know, it wasn't anything that Jaden didn't do. It was more just Mill Valley's defense in general just could not stop Gardner Edgerton. Uh, a, like I said, just a really fun roster. I think some sleeper guys on the Trailblazers. Uh, for anybody that's interested in getting on huddle, uh, you can find a, a lot of interested kid, uh, interesting kids on there. But um, when I talked to Jaden afterwards, I think that's kind of where I got more into the meat and potatoes of what fans and what we as recruiting analysts were interested to know. And that was more on how recruiting is going, because the last time Kevin, Kevin and I saw him 
uh, was in the summer. Uh, mm -hmm. He was kind of working the clock at a seven on seven event at Mill Valley. And things really hadn't gotten started yet for the 2025 class yet. Um, and so having a chance to talk to him, he said he's been trying to do the best he can, trying to find that kind of, if you want to call it a work-life balance with kind of the communication part uh, and relationships uh, that comes every day, he said, from different colleges. Um, but I'll kick it back to you guys by saying this, and I'll have a little bit of a story coming out in 27 Sports, 247 Sports, excuse me, about um, Jaden here probably in the next 24 to 48 hours uh, about kind of what he was able to tell me with regards to recruiting. He mentioned, and I'm going to try to do my best, the article will have all of it, but off the top of my head, I asked him, what are the schools he's hearing from the most? And he went through a list that included <laughs> K-State, KU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Alabama, Tennessee, USC, Purdue, and I believe Missouri. And I would also throw in Penn State because that was another school uh, that he mentioned to me when I asked him kind of some schools that he was hoping to see uh, if he could squeeze in some game day visits this, this fall. Of course, he's already been to Missouri, saw them in what he called an, uh, a, a good game. I call it kind of a, an entertaining game, uh, Middle Tennessee and Missouri, uh, where the, the Raiders almost beat the Tigers. Um, he said he hopes to get back up to K-State. He wants to get down to Alabama and Tennessee. And he said if the schedule will allow – uh, potentially Penn State, but he said that could be one that he saves for the offseason. Um, I think he's going to be a busy guy, fellas, coming into the coming into the winter and spring. Um, I think he's going to be a busy guy. Said he wants to try and, uh, after the season, cut things down to a top 10 and basically focus on those 10 kind of as we move into spring. And then here was, uh, again, if, if depending on when the podcast goes up and depending on when I can write the article, I'm not sure who will hear this or read this first. <laughs> but um, wants to be done guys before summer. So that means uh, he is probably looking at wow. an April or a May decision. Again, that's kind of where he stands right now. So again, as I toss it back to you, Swain, I think it's, it's just going to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Imperative that uh, you get in with him as, as soon as you can, if you're a college coach, try and get him on, a, uh, on an unofficial in the fall. And if not in the fall, you're, fighting tooth and nail to get one here maybe around bowl time bowl prep mm -hmm. try and get one of those practice mm -hmm. visits in from him because again i think he's going to be cutting that top 10 down probably first of the year wow that's a fast timeline yeah. and i think yeah. you know whoever has the the mileage card right for whatever airline you fly southwest delta american that's gonna be pretty good because these aren't necessarily close places either right you're talking penn state alabama west coast if he does visit usc this one feels like to me, it'll probably end up with, you know, Jaden going out of the region to go play at a, a perennial college football power. Kevin, I know you watch a lot of huddle stuff. Um, what have you thought about Jaden's start to the season? And I guess give your two cents on a recruitment that is blowing up. And I really don't see any signs of it stopping anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I actually told Ryan, you know, if you looked at where Jaden was a year ago and he was a tremendous player a year ago, and you kind of map things out and said, this is where I would like Jaden to go next. That's where he's at now. You know, when you look at, he's got more polish, he's doing things more consistently. This is going to sound kind of funny, but, you know, when he sacks the quarterback, it doesn't feel like an accident. You know, it, it feels like there, there was an intent behind the move that he made that he was, you know, doing the hand fighting and the different things there. This is a guy, you know, that we've talked about, I think, 
totally remade his body between last year and this year because he dropped all the weight for wrestling. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then when you look at, at where he got down to for wrestling, sort of rebuilt himself up. You know, when we went to Mill Valley, uh, I know Ryan, they were saying that he measured with a 6'10 wingspan. So yeah. when you're when you're talking about a, a six foot three guy and somebody saying, well, I don't know if he's long enough to be a defensive end. He's long enough to be a defensive end. He's, he, he's got that kind of length to him. He tests really well. You're talking about a guy that runs in the four sixes at, at that size and, you know, ha, has all of those different things you look for. I think all three of us would admit Jaden's a great kid too. He, he really is. He's, he's somebody that that's a joy to talk to. I, I have the feeling myself, you know, kind of along the lines of, of what you were saying, Swain, uh, I tend to think that, you know, maybe one of those SEC offers or something is going to prove to be a little bit too much. You know, I know most people here are familiar with him. Jaden's dad did play at Kansas State briefly, wound up uh, going to Pitt State, you know, sort of through the process or whatever else. I don't know that, that because of those ties, he's super locked into – Kansas State I don't think he has anything against Kansas State I think that you know Kansas State and Kansas are both schools that he's considering but at the end of the day I I really do think that it's going to be one of those things where it might wind up being a quote-unquote national offer that that swings him and so we'll uh, we'll wind up seeing who that is I feel like if he is to stay local guys I think it's it would probably lean K-State for a lot of the reasons that Kevin just laid out. But I also sense that this is an Avery Johnson style recruitment in the sense of I think a lot of things would kind of have to lean K-State's way. Uh, sure. Some dominoes might have to fall. Uh, with Avery, it was, you know, Arkansas was solidly in the picture. Then they weren't. Notre Dame was very solidly in the picture. Then they weren't um, for their own different reasons. Right. Uh, I think, Swain, that would probably be the way that I think things would have to go for the Wildcats is, is um, you know, for whatever reason, some other teams that maybe Jaden's high on would have to fade mm-hmm. on him. And then maybe K-State would, would be maybe a, what I would consider like a more serious contender. I think they'll be in the mix, but yeah, I, I mean, I would have to agree as we sit here today, this does feel like a recruitment that will be national and, and could likely end up out of state. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, this is not one that I have a, a strong KU is going to be a contender feel. You know, he was slated to, to visit KU in, in late July. There was a, a big visit event that KU actually got a commitment from um, that Jaden was kind of supposed to go to and then had something come up. And that's not typically a, a good sign, right? If something, you know, if you want to make the visit, the visit happens. So right. we'll have to see. Um, I agree. I think probably national. And, you know, if it does stay regional, you know, look, we saw with Juju Marks too, right? Missouri has a way of getting in with the the kind of the Kansas City area kids and making good connections. So I'd be really interested to see how that plays out as well. But we can get to another guy in the Kansas City area who Kevin and I went to go see. Um, and I know, Ryan, you've been out to see him as well. And that's Andrew Babalola, the offensive tackle from Blue Valley Northwest. He right now is ranked as the number one player in the state of Kansas. I think, again, we all kind of agree that, hey, long-term projection, like, he could end up developing into something that is maybe better than Jaden Woods. At the moment, still a work in progress. I think anyone at Blue Valley Northwest would tell you that. I think Andrew would tell you that. He's playing his first season of varsity football. And 
I know Kevin and I went to go see him against, you know, Williams and Wary, which is a great matchup to see. And there were a couple reps where they went against each other. I think, you know, Andrew Babalog won a couple of those, but I think at times too, Williams and Wary showed why he's a five-star prospect, you know, with the strength and the speed and the blend of it all um, that makes him really potent. So Kevin, kind of give, give me your thoughts on what you saw from Andrew this past Friday night against arguably what's going to be the best defensive line he's going to play all year. Yeah, I mean, it, the uh, the growth curve has to get a little easier now, right? Because he, you aren't going yeah. against, against Williams one area. And, you know, he's he's not the only Division One guy even on that defensive line. And, and so we, when you look at that, I, I talked to Coach Ryder a little bit before the game. And, and one of the things that he had said was that, you know, Andrew was progressing the way that they wanted him to progress. You know, there was always going to be a rawness here. This is a kid that has more experience playing high-level basketball than he does playing high-level football. And so, you know, when he came out, you know, the opener I think was against St. James, you expected things to be rocky. You didn't expect him to necessarily know how to do everything you know, not just from a physicality standpoint, but from a technique standpoint, how to pick up blitzes, you know, when they send multiple guys your way, you know, you think about watching it and knowing, hey, if there's two guys blitzing, you always get the inside guy because the other guy's going to have a longer path. Well, that's not necessarily something that's easy to do if you haven't been doing it. And so I think when you saw him uh, against Lee Summit North, like you said, I thought some of the reps were extremely positive. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the athleticism is there. The the frame is there. You know, as a guy who's measured uh, just shy, I think, of 6'6". Over the summer, I, I think they list him at about 280 pounds now. You know, that probably looks about right, 275, 280, I would say. Big hands, long arms. Looks like what a future NFL left tackle usually looks like in high school from a, you know, size frame athleticism standpoint, mm-hmm. because of that rawness, I, I think, you know, all of us here, and I don't want to speak for everybody. I think there's a little bit of a reluctance for us to maybe put him within the state where he's ranked. You know, I'd maybe have him down like a spot or two within that 2025 class, uh, which is still high. It's still a four-star player or whatever else. But I do think that he's growing and you're seeing the improvement in things that you would want to see. Yeah, Ryan, obviously I know you went to go see him too. And it feels like week to week, right, there has been improvement where I'm sure, Ryan, the version you saw maybe isn't as good as the version that Kevin and I saw last week. But when you get got to see him, I believe it was against Blue Valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think of him? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think I would agree with and echo what Kevin said in the sense of, everything's there when Kevin was talking about him being 280 this is a guy who his 280 probably looks like other people's like 250 260 sure. I mean, he's going to get up to 315 pounds 320 pounds and be fine and play probably fine at it um but it's a lot for me uh, the most precise way I can and to condense everything down to what Kevin said is that he's just the type of guy that uh is still processing the, the game hasn't really slowed down for him yet and in the game against Blue Valley, it was funny because, guys, you could see snaps and reps where he was like, okay, I need to punch with this hand, you know, lead with mm. this foot. And and then as that rep was continuing, there would be moments where he was just kind of like, all right, I've done what I need to, and then just toss the guy down. You know what I mean? And it's like once he gets into just mauling 
and the game slows down for him, which it will over the next year. Like you said, Swain, he's only been his first year playing varsity football. Once things slow down, then you will see the potential that everybody um, is, you know, fighting after. Um, Cause it, he's, he's definitely worthy of being, you know, a highly rated recruit. I just think maybe we were a little early on projecting him kind of the way we have. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And look, I, here's the story. So at the KU game, he was at Kansas this past weekend for the BYU game. Um, you know, obviously all three of us have seen Andrew in person several times and he's a sharp kid. He recognizes us and he walks up to me, shakes my hand. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh, his hand like swallows mine. He's, <laughs> right. You know what you'd consider like pause. And I'm like, yeah, like once he figures it out cause he is a really smart kid. And I think yeah. in terms of the broader recruitment, right. I look at an offer that came in this past week from Michigan and say, yeah, that might be the blend Absolutely. of what Andrew Babalola looks for because academics are super, super important to him. At least that's what he's told us. Right. And yeah. you're looking at him too, right. Can you find the blend of a really high level academic institution and also a really high level football program? And so I think a school like Michigan really could end up being like that. Obviously who knows how this is going to play out over the next kind of six, seven months, but, I think a school like that could be one that ends up being a player just because, again, it checks the right boxes for him. And I'll be really interested to see what happens with the two in-state schools. I think it's too early to make a hierarchy or anything like that. I think he's taking the game day visits to try and get a feel for it. I think the junior day visits in January will be really big once he has time to get around and maybe see a Michigan or go see some more schools that are maybe on the outer outskirts of the region. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a higher level recruit, but he kind of reminds me of a lot of these Northwestern guys that have come from Kansas City and Missouri yeah, totally. else. They go to Northwestern, they they fill out, they use the weight room, they go to the combine, and then everybody says, Oh my gosh, Northwestern had this freak of an athlete here, you know, who's who's blowing up the testing and everything. And I think it's important to note that not only is he early in his football journey, he's early in his weight room journey. Right. And I think that's that's an important thing to note, too, because he is going to fill out and, and get a lot stronger. I know Swain, when we saw him at KU camp this summer, uh, the linemen were in pads, but there were times when he would contact a guy and he'd be low. He'd be low man where you, you know, you should bulldoze that guy. And he just didn't quite have that pop or that weight in the backside yet to finish that block. And, and I think as the weight room continues to go too, you know, he, he's only going to get better as, as far as all that goes. Yeah. And we can move on to another one of his teammates that I think his recruitment will continue to grow. And that's Brock Keith. Um, he's one that I think we all saw when he did our little high school tour back in February. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his recruitment's really interesting because Baylor was really an early offer. I don't know where that's going to go now, um, but Duke has offered Kansas and Missouri. And at least for KU, they went in and evaluated him this past Friday. Andy Kolernicki, the offensive coordinator, who also recruits Blue Valley Northwest, was there to see him. He takes a game day visit the next day. He gets an offer. Um, one interesting thing, he's still managing a foot injury, it would seem, because at the game day visit, he had a boot on his foot. I know that's something that has been bugging him going back to um, the summertime. So that's just something to keep in mind too, if you're going to go and turn on Brock, Heath's film, but he's a really interesting prospect because he's six, five, 
you know, maybe not the longest arms, but you look at the frame. He's someone that can really put on the weight, I think, and has kind of that, the, just the way he kind of walks and moves. You look at him, you're like, yeah, he could get up to, you know, 300, north of 300 too. But another guy that I think on the weight room is going to take some time. But Kevin, what did you think of what you saw from him? Yeah, I thought he was really good. We, the three of us, all saw him at UC Report too. Uh, yeah, he right. was there, and so, you know, and that was, you know, obviously we we had seen him in, in person before that, but that was when I I was kind of like, oh man, this this kid flashes because he's got a lot of athleticism, you know, for for a guy that size. I I think you know this summer, if I remember right, before the injury, he was running like a sub four six short shuttle which for an offensive lineman is, is excellent. You know, his vertical is up around 27, 28 inches. So, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of that athleticism. Also a really technical guy. Like he's a really good football player. He knows, he knows how to make his blocks and everything. I I thought uh, when we saw him on Friday, uh, I thought Andrew Babalola maybe had, the best reps against Williams Wanieri in terms of when everything went right for Babalola, he finished that rep better. But I thought that overall Heath gave Wanieri uh, a lot more trouble. You know, I, I feel like he stalemated him a lot more. And, and you know, I, I'm interested. You brought you brought up the arms and everything because that is the sort of thing that, you know, everybody wants tackles right now and and very few people want interior offensive linemen. And so it'll be interesting to see how schools see him, if they see him as a, as a tackle or if they see him as somebody that needs to bump inside. But Ryan, a, a guy that I think athleticism technically frame, you know, in terms of being able to fill out, you know, I, I think a lot of that's there for him. I really like him. I, I think it just so happens that he plays in the shadow of Babalola. I mean, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, I wonder if Brock's more about 6'4". I don't know if he's 6'5", but uh, again, that's playing into what you were saying, Kevin, that he is going to be probably best suited uh, for the interior as a mobile guard, but he's so cerebral. Um, he also comes from, you know, you talk about bloodlines and lineage. Um, you know, he mm. grew up grew up in a household where his older brother, Jackson Heath, um, blood brother, Jackson Heath, went to Columbia and was a pretty good tight end for Blue Valley Northwest and ended up playing several years at Columbia. And then stepbrothers, uh, Blake Lawrence and Tyler Lawrence. So Blake, I believe, went to Nebraska and uh, Tyler to KU, or do I have that backwards? Yeah, yeah, Tyler Tyler went to KU and then wound up uh, transferring to Pitt State. There it is. There it is. But so anyway, I mean, growing up in that household, I think he Brock, I think, told us he considers them brothers. That's how long they live together. Point of that story being when you're the youngest of that, you know, athletic group, (laughs) you can imagine how he got bullied and, you know, also kind of learned things about being an athlete and about being a football player. And you see that in the way that he's the aggressor in the line of scrimmage. Kevin, he is to me. Uh, Sam Hecht 2.0 and we love Sam Hecht coming out of Mill Valley he ends up taking a preferred walk-on offer at Kansas State again kind of a guy that needed that weight room progression but was very technically savvy and in a matter of two years has worked his way into pretty much the two deep right now at K-State I mean if he's not on the two deep publicly he's probably on the two deep behind the scenes right or will be next year so I I think Brock Heath is a guy that you know, Swain mm-hmm. has his offers lifted, listed up there right now. Uh, Baylor Duke, 
Kansas and Missouri. I'm with you, Swain. I think that that offer sheet can fill out and should fill out sooner than later once his junior tape starts getting out there. Swain, what did yeah. you think of him? I thought he was good. I thought you mentioned the movement skills. I thought that was what was most impressive was the understanding of leverage and look going up against Kamori Moore, you know, who's probably yeah. six foot, but probably is 280, 290 right now. I think the ability to deal with that sort of force and power as someone that isn't really at the, the same point, probably in his weight room journey. I thought that was probably the most impressive part to me. And I guess, you know, I look long-term, right. He's another guy that's got the, the athleticism to fill out and the type of guy that a KU or a K state would take. And in three years would, you know, look totally different and be able to play at the big 12 level and really be a good player. So I'm fascinated to see what that offer list looks like. Let's say probably like early February, once kind of all the schools have seen the tape, they've had that period where they go on the road in January and they can go recruit and see kids. I think I'll be really interested to see what that offer list looks like at the end. Ryan, do we know where K-State sits? I mean, I know they haven't offered Heath, but do you have any idea about the process there at all? I mean, if I had to guess, it'd probably be one of two things, Um, potentially the height. You know, I think you see – the guys that K-State seems to be going after, and unless you're kind of that center build, which is like a Kyle Rockers, who they have committed right now from Iowa, everybody else that they're going after, whether they see you as a guard or a tackle, is like 6'6", you know, 6'7", mm-hmm. the Babalolas of the world. Um, so maybe that's it. Um, as you mentioned, not a lot of teams are looking for, you know, scholarship guards right now. But yeah. um, at the same time, you know, we've seen K-State take those types. So I would think, for me, it's more wanting to see – uh, a, if he can prove that he can put that weight on, but also maybe seeing a little bit more of this junior tape and how he plays at the weight he is now, and can they see that you know projecting? Um, either way, my answer would be I think K State's late to the party here. Are they too late? I don't know, but you know I think commend the Missouri Tigers and the Kansas Jayhawks staff for kind of seeing the long term here and uh, trusting their gut on what they see without you know needing a little bit more. I I, I think that's a this is a smart play by both those staffs. Yeah, one guy I'm, I'm really interested to see what K-State does with it is Charlie Wolben from DeSoto. Um, I, I got the chance to talk to him Monday night about his visit to Kansas, and he had a lot of positive things to say. KU's really, ever since they saw him at camp, they've been really excited about him, right? They offered him right after the camp, had him come back a couple of days later for a visit. Like, this is a guy that I think in terms of in-state prospects, you want to do like the – the kind of supply demand, like the guy (laughs) likes the most that has the best shot with, like, I think that's what, what Charlie is at this point in time. And, you know, Nebraska's offered him as well. You know how Matt rule and that staff operates in terms of track times, height, length, explosiveness. I think he's a guy I'll go see in two weeks time the day before K plays uh, UCF. I want to say maybe Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go see him then. And, I'll be really, really interested to see what he looks like in person again after seeing him in the summer. But what do you think, Ryan? Because K-State got him in camp and didn't offer. Right. Is this one where it's a scheme fit deal because he he is more of a a four-man defensive end instead of a three-man defensive end? I think you're right. Uh, You know, I think a lot of it was let's let's get him at camp. Let's work him out in a couple different areas. Uh, I was at that camp. He was at their O-line, D-line, elite camp and. Uh, I, th- I thought Charlie did fine, you know, for again, for a guy who's probably 215 right now could be playing it. I don't know. He could be playing at 210, could be playing at 220. I'll be interested to see um, what he says to you about that, Swain. Um, but, I, you know, I think 
wanting to see a little bit more weight and, and weight room development probably from him. But also I think scheme probably plays into K-State being a little bit more hesitant with him right now because um, A, I, you know, and th- again, this isn't a knock, but you need a little bit more evaluation time when you're uh, evaluating like at the 4A level, especially a guy that's already kind of a project mm-hmm. at the 4A level. Sure. Um, and so on top of that, though, too, what you mentioned with scheme, K-State right now probably, if I had to guess, wants to see a little bit more of whether he's going to be their Sam, that kind of hybrid edge, or whether he's going to be the type that they feel confident will put the weight on and put, put a hand in the ground in, a th- in an odd man front and a three man front. So that would probably be my answer as to K-State's mm-hmm. hesitancy here. But uh, I like I like Charlie. I think the potential's there. Um, and I, I think he tests really well too, Kevin. I think that's yeah. where that's where Nebraska got in early is they saw those testing times. And like you said, Matt Rule's big on, you know, does he check the boxes, you know, sprinting this, this, this. We'll we'll trust that his body will get there. And that's exactly what the Huskers seem to do first. Yeah, and he has a lot of core strength too. I mean, in addition to, you know, running really well, he's a thrower and crack. You know, he throws javelin, discus, and shot put, you know, which is kind of funny when you see him in person. You know, I don't want to say he's a string bean, but he's he's kind of a long, mm-hmm. slender guy. Looks like he's a not you, He's yeah. not what you think about when you think about, you know, somebody throwing the shot put for, for their high school team. And yet, you know, that's that's what he does. I think, you know, the, the thing that kind of stinks a little bit from our perspective, uh, not necessarily from his high school team's perspective, because, hey, you're you're trying to win football games, but you know, DeSoto kind of deploys him as like a four eye a little bit. So he's playing inside, right. You know, by the guard and the tackle. And so you don't really get to see him bend the edge, which is what Kansas would want him to do or what whoever takes him as an edge is going to want him to do is line up on the outside and and try to get that edge with his speed, with his burst, with his, you know, with his length and everything. You don't really see that a ton on tape. He's pretty much, straight ahead, engage blockers, try to get off the block and go do something. And so you do see kind of a different skill set. I think he'll hold up well against the run as he fills out because he has so much experience with that from DeSoto. And he's got some really good stuff of that on tape. Uh, I think the the only shame of it is, is, you know, gosh, I'd love to see him line up. It's like a wide nine or something. And, and really get after a quarterback and kind of see what he can do in space. And, and that's just, uh, just not something he's, he's asked to do at this level. If you're going to see him do that, you're probably going to need to to go ahead and get him to your camp and, and line him up out there and, and have him do it that way. And this is why camps are so fun, Kevin, because yeah. that's exactly what I got to see when I watched him at camp. Literally yeah. they lined him up as a kind of like on the outside shoulder of the tackle and said, go get him And, if you listen to the KU coaches talk in press conferences or things like that, like the word bend comes up more <laughs> than like football or like a player's <laughs> name. Like they are so much about the ability to bend and you really did see that at camp. And it, look, that could be something that in the end could help a school like KU keep him under the radar where playing a different role in high school than one will play in college, right? If you're, if you're school from Oklahoma state and you turn on the tape you're like well okay maybe but then if you get on camp then you actually see what he can do and that would be a reason why i think schools would, would pull the trigger on an offer um one guy i want to move to that i think you guys were able to see 
earlier yeah. this year that I know KU and K-State have both offered is Bryson Hayes from Mays. I know obviously was one of Avery Johnson's uh, targets last season. Yeah, last season. Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. From what you saw from Bryson there in the game, I believe you guys may have seen a half. Yep, yeah. yep. Saw him against BJ Kennedy yeah. in Topeka. Yeah, what'd yeah. you think? Um nothing different than what we saw, or I guess both of us, because he, I think camped at both camp, uh, both colleges, but what I saw at K-State's camp, um, you know, compact kid, uh, 5'11", maybe 5'10", um, doesn't have like an outrageously long catch radius, um, but he doesn't need it because he's easily one of the quickest guys in the state. Um, mm. And I might steal this from Kevin because <laughs> I, you might, you might, you, you're probably going to say this, so I apologize if I'm taking it from you. But Kevin brought up a good thing uh, at, at Mays that night, which is he's a different kind of speed than for anybody that got to see Trey Richardson last year, right? Because mm. Trey was, again, a shorter body, not a long a wingspan or anything like that, but also very uh, – and not, not quite as probably built as Bryson is, not as uh, muscular and compact, a um, little bit leaner. But still, if we're talking about speed, Trey Richardson was a different kind of speed. I think he was a guy that was going to beat you – whether it was in 10 yards or 90 yards, Bryson is really good um, out of the gate, probably the first five to 10 yards. Um, and he's still very fast after that, but that seems to be where he makes his killing. And that's where he gets open so often. Really good receiver um, continues to polish. I was impressed with kind of his route tree that he was showing. It'll be, this is a recruitment guys that I think we're all interested to see whether it takes off whether it kind of plateaus, obviously I don't think it will go down, but without Avery Johnson, it was very evident that, um, you know, they're going to look to get him the ball more because they don't have as many guys like they did last year. But at the same time, they don't have an Avery Johnson at quarterback that can put the ball in places that Avery did and give Bryson crazy, you know, 100, 150 yard games. So will his tape pop quite like it did as a sophomore? That's what I'm curious to see. But uh, yeah, you know, Bryson, I, I messaged with him a little bit just the, the last couple of days because he was a visitor for K-State at the Central Florida game, uh, said he really enjoyed his time in Manhattan, kind of finally putting on the recruiting hat and not just being there kind of with Avery or with Justin Stevens or somebody. Uh, he enjoyed kind of being the focal point, um, but also mentioned to me, guys, that, again, uh, feeling some pressure, I think, to, um, you know, join one of the local schools sooner than later. And he admitted he would like to be kind of on the building blocks of a class. Um, but at the same time, didn't mention any sort of timetable. He's not in any sort of rush. Um, so uh, yeah, really interested kid. Uh, interesting to see, excuse me, where his recruitment is going. Really good kid. And, and a guy that I like, um, I, it'll just be, he reminds me a little bit of Philip Brooks. Like I, I keep trying to maybe tamper some of Bryson Hayes. And I don't mean that in the sense that he's not, the type of player that we believe he can be. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's not, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Kevin, the, the Malik Benson. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, wow. he's not that. He's, he's very fast. He's not Trey Richardson, but uh, definitely a guy that's going to separate, definitely a, a guy that can play at the Power Five level. It, it sounds weird to say because this is a guy that clocked in the four threes at multiple camps this summer. So we're not saying that he's slow, obviously, but he doesn't have track speed. And I know yeah. that sounds weird to say, or he doesn't have the level of track speed that like a Malik Benson does. This isn't a guy that's going to go out and run 10, 400 meters and stack up scholarship offers 
off of the football field based on what he does on a track. You know, he's somebody that his best part of a race on in the hundred meters is going to be one to 10 yards or one to 20 yards or, or whatever else. And, and so that's part of the reason I, I think he clocks really well. We got to see kind of an interesting rep while we were down there and it was one rep, but we got to see him take a really long, like jet sweep type mm-hmm. carry. Mm-hmm. And you could see the quickness, you know, in the acceleration early, but then by the time he was trying to get around everybody all the way out to the outside, you know, he didn't have, you know, quite that fifth or sixth gear that, that maybe you see with some of these guys that, that have really special speed, like, you know, Malik Benson, Trey Richardson had it, like you said, some, some of those guys. And so, you know, Bryson runs well in track. I, I think he's what, like a 10, nine, 10, nine, five, yeah, something that, like that. Yeah, he, does, he runs well, but he's not going to run well enough for a college staff and particularly a power five staff to look at his track time and be like, we, we have to go get that guy. And when you look at, you know, a guy that we're going to talk about probably here in a minute, you know, when you look at Jaron Canick, when you look at Malik Benson, you know, I'm not saying their tape wasn't important, but the track time was what kind of set people up as, okay, we have to go get this guy. This is a special Mm -hmm. athlete with Hayes. I think, if he doesn't have the great junior tape and and through no fault of his own, if he's just not getting the kind of service that he was getting from Avery Johnson this year, I think the way that his offer list is going to grow is going to be him having to go to camps and prove himself there, run the fast 40 time because he is going to be faster in those shorter distances, play really well and, and potentially earn bigger offers that way if that's what he wants. And and if not, if it's the sort of thing where he needs to, or he feels like, Hey, I want to decide quickly. I like the offers I have. I like the local schools or whatever else, then, then the rest of that stuff isn't going to matter. And Swain, uh, you know, yeah. as I look at the offer sheet there, I wanted to throw it back to you because I know you're familiar with this player. I mentioned Phillip Brooks as maybe kind of a, a K-State comp for him. Another kid that I think, fits really well for anybody from the Kansas city area that got to see Jalen Noel play. Uh, It's now at Iowa state. That seems to be Bryson Hayes all over. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think he screams big 12 to me just in terms of the style of play. I just don't know if he's smart. Like, I don't know if a big 10 offense is what is going to be best for him to showcase the talent he has. Cause I think KU sees him as someone that can line up in the slot can line up on the outside at times as well and just get him the ball. You know, yep. I don't know if he's like uh, Luke Grimm's not a good comparison, but in terms of like the, the versatility that KU uses with someone like Luke Grimm, like I think that sure. is the type of role you could see with him. And I, I do think, you know, if, if you really like said Michael pick, I'd say, you know, KU or K state probably is where he'll end up. Um, I know KU's gone really all out for him. They started, early before K-State and Bryson's even admitted that where KU's getting him on campus for visits like back in February or that would in March when spring practice was going on like KU was on him early and they're going to keep going after him and it's kind of going to be one of those where if he decides to go somewhere else they just kind of put your hands up you did everything you could and sometimes kids just don't want to go to your school and I think that's totally acceptable so I agree I'll be one that I, I he doesn't seem like someone that's going to go do the camp circuit again next yeah. summer I don't get that feeling. I think, I think this past summer he did the camps. 
He ran the times. If you don't believe the times he ran at other camps, like then that's kind of on you as a, as a coaching staff. Right. And, you know, I, I always laugh when you hear, Oh, you got to come run to our camp. Well, like what? Like you don't believe that I ran, you know, four, three at five other camps over the last year. Like what in, fair, in fairness, if somebody says they ran four, three at Missouri, do not believe them. <laughs> and if they say uh, they ran four, three, that's kind of a, that's kind of a running joke here, but Missouri camp measurements have been known to be inflated to all get out. I mean, I, uh, I'm pretty sure I could roll up on crutches and run like a five flat there if I really, really had to. <laughs> well, one guy that is really, really fast. Actually, here, let's go. Let, let's let's wrap up with the 2025s real quick, actually, and go to Lincoln Cure. Yep. Because, look, this recruitment has gone like, like to the moon. Um, <laughs> he's one that, right, he's another one that did a lot of camps over the summer, right? You know, KU, K-State, Missouri, all offered after he had camps. And now all of a sudden, now that his tape's getting out, like you see the offer list in front of you, like Auburn, Florida, Illinois. I think Penn State might be in there too. Like yep. this is a yeah. recruitment. That Michigan offered him, yeah. Yeah, it's really blown up. Kevin, I know you're really a big fan of Lincoln. So what have you seen from him? Yeah, Lincoln to me is the number two player in the state uh, behind Jaden Woods. And, and, you know, we – you know, just a little peek behind the curtain, you know, our, our rankings people, and, and we do too. I mean, anytime you can verify somebody's athleticism, it, it makes sense that, that you would use that. And, you know, and Lincoln's got great track time. He's a really good basketball player. He's got all of, all of these different things. The football tape wasn't necessarily there. And I, I know the three of us kind of talked about it off the show. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this was a Jaron Canick situation where, you know, Canick being out in Hayes, you know, not trying to insult anybody in Hayes, Kansas. Love Hayes, Kansas. But um, with Jaron being out there in Hayes, the way that Jaron was going to become a national recruit, it wasn't based on his tape. In order for him to get recruiters out to Hayes, he needed to do something on the track where people could look at it and say, like, okay, this linebacker is running 10-5. We got to go get this guy. And I kind of felt similarly about about Lincoln with him being out there in Goodland, which for those of you who don't know is, you know, darn near to Colorado. It's basically Colorado area code. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they they play games against Colorado high schools. To put it another way, this is kind of shocked me. He is two hours closer to Lawrence than he is to Lubbock. (laughs) So, like, that, that tells you how far west he is out there. And so for him to get recruiters to come out to Goodland and, and notice what he has and, and really get recruited at a national level, it was going to be on the track. And when you look at what he did this past spring, you know, as a, as a sophomore in high school running a 22-4, 200-meter dash, that's fast. That's really fast when you're 6'6", 215. And, you know, to run that, he's a hurdler. I mean, how many six foot six tight end hurdlers do you know? And so when you look at when you look at pretty much everywhere he camped offered him the track times that he had and everything. And then with the track times there as sort of the backbone, once his junior tape started coming out, Ryan, because I know we both watched quite a bit of his junior tape. Once the junior tape came out, so they said, you know, okay, he's not just a track guy. He's actually a really good football player that Mm -hmm. also runs 22-4. I feel like his offer list may only be starting too. I think he's going to continue to blow up and, and get offers pretty much everywhere. 
I lost my light, guys, but I'm still here on audio, so that matters. <laughs> so to the to our YouTube folks, sorry about that. I'm in the dark again. Um, but no, I, I mean the Jaron Canick stuff uh, is great on so many different levels. And again, that's not Kevin and I aren't saying like you know he he is equal to Jaron Canick or what have you. But I mean yeah. again, as Kevin laid out, so many parallels. I think the the duality and the versatility that he could show from a positional standpoint, I think we all agree that he's a tight end. I mean, in the modern day tight end, what you're looking for, that is Lincoln cure. But I mean, I know K state at least at their camp and maybe some other camps, they, they wanted to see him at DN just to see. Uh, and I don't think you could go wrong there either, but uh, I wanted to say, uh, point this stat out again, and it's been, uh, <laughs> let's see a couple days here, sure. but so, the Keisha put out their state high school football offensive stat leaders um, for all levels. And this was September 22nd. So Lincoln cure, this was through three weeks, guys. He was the number two receiver in the state um, with 16 catches for 451 yards. I mean, <laughs> 16. He's only caught 16 passes. And let me tell you, that's probably like, he probably leads the team and catches per game at like three a game, maybe two yeah. because Goodland is running and running and running and running mm -hmm. 16 catches for 451 yards for people that suck at math. Like myself, that is 28 yards per reception folks. <laughs> oh my and I, I, again, there will be folks out there that will probably say, well, he's playing, you know, it's Goodland Lincoln cure his, his recruitment and what he does statistically would be even worse and i mean worse in a positive standpoint well against opponents in the ekl the sunflower league 6a wichita city league it doesn't matter i mean this kid would be a freak anywhere you put him and the number his recruitment would probably be bigger uh not probably would be bigger if he wasn't in goodland so um i'm i'm with kevin I, it it took uh seeing the junior tape to kind of yeah. you know validate it but mm -hmm. swain i think i think if you're talking you know, long-term projection, that's where a Babalola probably sneaks in to the sure. top two. But if we're talking right now, and I know Kevin and I are big on finding the, the margin of not only high ceiling, but also high floor, Lincoln Cure is probably number two in the state right now. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? That And that's one part of doing this, right? Like it, it is a question of, all right, what are we ranking? And I know we've had this conversation before, so we don't need to rehash it. But yeah, I'm so impressed with Lincoln Cure. And like seeing him in camp too, he just looks different than everybody else. Like he looks like someone that is going to go to name your high level Big Ten school, right? Name your SEC school, go spend two years in the weight room, come out, be 6'6, 235, and like 6% body fat, and just go crush people, right? Like it's a guy that you'd see go to Iowa. And end up being a, a second round draft pick, right? Like he's going to go to a really, really good school. And I don't think it's going to be in the state of Kansas or even the state of Colorado. Like it, <laughs> it's going to be somewhere else that's really major. And he's one that I don't think, you know, I don't think K will be very much like in it, but I'll be very interested to see the junior days in January and into March, like where all he decides to go. Cause he really does have the pick like, any number of Big Ten schools in the region, outside the region, SEC schools, Big 12 schools, like I'll be really interested to see where his head's at in terms of trying to narrow this thing down because in terms of breadth and wealth of options, like it's him and Jaden Woods, and I'd be really interested for both to see where they kind of decide to go take those unofficial visits. 
I think K-State's in this one, Swain. I, I think you mentioned kind of the emphasis that KU's put on Bryson Hayes. That's K-State with Lincoln Cure. Mm. Um, the the family uh, is, I think, long-standing K-State supporters. Uh, they recruited uh, his brother that ended up at Fort Hay State, probably wanted him as a preferred walk-on, but it was the COVID year. So I think things were a little bit more limited. And so he took the scholarship at, at Fort Hay State. But I think this is one that K-State is very much in the thick of it. That's not me saying crystal ball to K-State or anything, because I do think, like you said, he probably does, a kid from Goodland probably does want to experience some things first uh, and just make sure he's done his proper research. But I, I think the Wildcats will be in this thing to the very, very end. Interesting. Well, let's get to – now we're getting to 2026, and this can uh, be this can be it for us. Um, <laughs> John Michael Fountain. Um Iowa State offered him over the summer. K-State offered him after a game day visit, and then he visits KU, and KU extends an offer. Seeing him in person, he looks like a sophomore in high school, so the his body will develop. But in terms of traits, Kevin, like, is this about as good as you can ask for for a sophomore linebacker? Yeah, I mean, the, the report was that Iowa State offered, after he ran 22 miles an hour, on Wichita Northwest catapult during their scrimmage against Mill Valley. Like basically mm-hmm. they, they told Nate Shieldhouse, who of course, as we, we talk about on this podcast, does an amazing job re- recruiting Kansas for, for Iowa state. They're out first on a lot of guys and they're out first on a lot of Wichita Northwest guys. They recruit that school really, really well. And, you know, once, once he heard, Hey, this guy hit 22 miles an hour, based on the freshman tape and everything, it, it was worth an offer to them, even without seeing him a, as a sophomore. And Ryan and I saw him in person last year. He was starting games for Wichita Northwest, which mm-hmm. went to the state quarters, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as a true freshman, or I guess high school doesn't have redshirt freshman. As a <laughs> freshman, he, he was... Uh, Kevin, were you a redshirt freshman in high school? <laughs> they they would have redshirted me every year if they could have. But no, it was... Uh, he, he And he looked pretty good last year. And, and you know, Ryan, it, it, was, it was interesting because talking to Coach Martin last year, he already knew what he had in John Michael Fountain as a freshman and said, hey, this is this is the guy, you know, kind of poking yeah. at him like, hey, this is this is the guy to watch. We see him um, in the opener this year against uh, Bishop Carroll. And and I mean, they were uh, they were just dominant one and two. Uh, I mean, Fountain had just a, an absolute freak interception in that game where where he jumped up quarterback tried to throw it over him as he was rushing the quarterback he just jumped up and caught it and went in for a touchdown um but uh saw increased physicality from him in that game i thought too he had some pop but but ryan i i just i feel like when you look at, at john michael fountain when you look at michael boganowski this is kind of the way the linebacker position is progressing where you get these sort of safety type bodies who have a little bit of length to them, who have this kind of athleticism, and then you throw them in the box and you let them chase. I know. And, I mean, where he is right now, I think he could be a college safety with his athleticism mm-hmm. and the way how fluid he is in coverage. Um, but, obviously, again, knowing that he's only a sophomore, more weight room development, he will probably turn into an outside linebacker. But he's going to be an outside mm-hmm. linebacker that can be an all-purpose outside linebacker. And Kevin and I, after the game, we were talking with Coach Martin from Wichita Northwest, the head coach, and I, I 
told him and he agreed um, kind of reluctantly because you don't want to put anybody in that box. But I'm like, coach, he's maybe the number that he wears because I think he's one. I'm like, he's Brees Hall on defense. And I don't just mean that in like uh, in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, their body type, I think, is almost identical um, where John Michael is now to where Brees was in high school. The physicality and kind of the mentality they play with. There's yeah. an edge. There's kind of a, a the way they carry themselves to yeah. them. Yeah, you know what I mean. A swagger to them. Um, th- Swain, this is a recruitment to me that hasn't even. I mean, obviously he's 26, but I mean hasn't even started yet. Uh, I I think the junior tape is going to float out there this winter, or sophomore tape is going to float out there this winter, and people are going to be flocking. I mean, I, I think this one um, has all the pieces to go national certainly regional because like kevin said everybody already knew john michael fountain last year i had folks in wichita telling me you need to turn on the tape for this john michael fountain and i'm going okay wichita northwest what what grade is he oh he's a freshman and everybody that sent me you know those tips was not wrong swain because he's he's the real deal i mean he's probably kevin would we say the early favorite to be the number one in 2026 yeah, I think that right yeah. now the the favorites from for twenty twenty six are coming from Wichita Northwest. You know whether it's it's here or, or Jalen Mason. I, I think the the quarterback there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he he's up there. Obviously collegiate. Um, Ryan, we we saw the two collegiate twenty twenty sixes. You know who are Jaden Parker gonna, and Sebastian Hines Turner. Remember, yeah, those who are going to be probably in that uh in that discussion as well but yeah i mean it's it's funny and then wichita northwest too you know you look at chase carter they've got another couple of you know 2026 guys where depending on how they're they grow or their body you know kind of changes maybe they'll be in that discussion but as we talk about it right now i would say probably one two in some order I would say Fountain would probably be my number one right now with Jalen Mason number two. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Ryan? Yeah, I would. I think right now it, it, you'd have to put Fountain there. I mean, he's got, he's yeah. been a varsity starter for two years. Uh, although, as we've talked about, you know, kind of privately, it'll be interesting to see Jalen Mason as a quarterback, that prime time position and training with a guy like Justin Hoover. We saw what Avery Johnson did over mm-hmm. what, like a year and a half with Justin. We'll now consider Jalen Mason as a Coach Hoover guy for, you know, two and a half, three years of developmental time. So his progression might end up putting him in number one. But either way, I think uh, if you're if you're betting right now, um, I would bet heavy that Wichita Northwest has uh, the number one guy in 2026. Good rule of thumb, too. Don't bet on a high school game. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> sure, sure. All right. Well, I'm also realizing here we're 54 minutes in and we've not talked about Michael Boganowski. So he should probably oh, – um, yeah, right. Give a, a quick little update. So he visited Kansas. He's visited now his three contenders. That's everything that I've heard so far is that it's still, you know, Oklahoma, KU and K-State. And it kind of just in a holding pattern now where I think schools are all kind of just waiting and seeing what's going to happen. I don't think anyone really knows what will happen. That's at least the read I've been getting. Anything different for you, Ryan? Well, no more after Friday. Um, making the trek from Kansas City out to Junction City this Friday night. Um, big, big, big matchup for them with Washburn Rural. That's got a lot of nice prospects on that team too. So I mean, this will be a good-looking squad. This will yeah. be a good game, right? Um, mm-hmm. But 
my first chance to see Michael Boganowski in action. And it embarrasses me to even say that, that it's been taken this long for me to get out and finally see him, you know, in, in a padded setting. Um, so excited to see that I'll know more, but I'm with you, Swain. You know, I, I kind of rattle the cage. It's becoming kind of a weekly thing. Right. And um, it, it's kind of just business as usual. It's what it, it's always been. And I don't think that it's, it's fluff. You know, I don't think that for anybody that thinks that this is becoming kind of a Dylan Edwards thing, I, I don't think that's the right vibe with Boganowski. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly think he's genuine when he says, I just don't know yet. Um, and you know, I know it gets old for fans to read and they're, they're tired of it. And, you know, he's already been on visits, you know, what more could he need to see? I, look, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's his recruitment and you know, this, he only gets to do this one time. And so if he, Still doesn't have the feeling. He doesn't have the feeling, yeah. but uh, I do think that it we're we're getting. I would think we're getting close, but I mm. I said that before. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens on Friday, how he plays. Uh, it also sounds like Chris Kleiman will be there. This is their off week, remember? So K State uh, coaches will be out in full force. Um, you know, he made it a point to go see Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards. Oh well, Dylan was already decommitted by that point, but. When it made it made it a point to see them, you know, last week or last year for a game, and so he's going to make it a point to see Boganowski on Friday. So you know, I don't know if that matters. I, you know, I, I would imagine KU will see him if they haven't already. I know OU staff has already been out to Junction City to see him. So um, you know, he's he's been on a KU visit, right? He's been on a K State visit. He's been on an Oklahoma visit. There's not much more he can do this fall. So unless he just wants to wait it out, you know, and kind of have some sort of big announcement come closer to signing day. It's got to be getting close, but hopefully I'll have more to report on after Friday. I'm interested to see him against Washburn Rural, though, just real quick, because that's a team that has a lot of, like, bigger guys. When you look at, you know, is it the Heim kid that's this linebacker? Both Heim. Jaron yeah. and JC, yeah. Paxton Bettis. Yeah, like 215, yeah. 220 linebackers. They've got a defensive end. Jaron Lane. Yep, they've got uh, the offensive lineman Hawks is still there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's massive, like two, six eight, two eighty. <laughs> so I mean, they they've got some really uh, big, good sized kids, and you know, it's uh, I'll be very interested to see. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I mean, Michael Boganowski, he's the number one kid in the state for a reason. He's he's going to play well, but I do think that this could present one of the bigger challenges, just in terms of. Hey, he's going to be going up against some college-sized kids this week. Well, and they bullied Manhattan last week. Washburn Rural did. did, and they're one of the tougher, what you would consider, a, you know, one of the more universally tough teams year to year under Joe Shartz. So, defending state champions, Manhattan as well. I should point that out. So, yeah, I mean, this the Washburn Rural's for real this year. So, this will be a good test for Boganowski. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see how this one plays out over the end. Right, it's one of those you just kind of take your hands off a little bit, and all right, we'll just see what happens. Cause I think you're right, Ryan. Like, I think it's just a trying to figure out where he wants to go to college and he's got three good options and three different options at very different points in the, the whole realm of, of college football. Um, I'll give you guys a chance. Any other guys we haven't talked about that I'm not going to have profiles ready for him, but any other guys you guys want to highlight um, as maybe some guys to, to keep track of, we can start with you, Ryan. Well, I was going to say, let's, let's start with Kevin and then I'll, okay. I, can, I, I can, well, I can pick up some leftovers. So leave me a there couple. Kevin. All right. All right. Go Kevin. I, I see, it. I see how this goes, you know, just got to spring that out on me. You know, it was kind of interesting. We saw a guy that we probably won't talk about 
um, from a KUK State standpoint, from a scholarship standpoint, but a guy that I think will be very interesting potentially as a preferred walk-on down the line um, was uh, was Brody Weir at Wellington. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at what he brought uh, to that team in, in terms of being a blocker, in terms of being a physical guy, I could see him being a Jared Casey type guy that winds up going somewhere. Ryan, you were really impressed with his skill level for, for yeah. how strong he was. He made sort of a toe tap catch, you know, for a touchdown that you don't see a lot of guys who are 6'3, 240, you know, at the high school level do. He he's a 2025, and so he'll be an interesting guy. And then I don't know that the athletic explosion is going to be there for him to be a scholarship guy for either school. But knowing what Kansas wants and knowing what K-State wants, I could see him being one of those guys that they really, really try and pursue as a, as a preferred walk-on who could wind up playing there um, on down the line. I think, you know, we, we talked about, you know, most of these guys over the, over the last few weeks, a guy that's kind of off the radar that I think will be interesting uh, that Ryan and I have talked about is uh, – Conley Hovey, the the tight end defensive end over at Lewisburg. He's a guy that, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of tape. Uh, his uh, his brother was committed to KU, right, as a preferred walk-on, Jace Hovey? Jace, yes, correct. And, last year, and last Jace cycle. Hovey was a badass. I mean, that he, he was a good, really good, straightforward athlete and everything, you know, kind of a, kind of a rocked-up guy that uh, – that maybe didn't move as well side to side, but was really physical, you know, pretty athletic moving forward. His brother's a six foot five tight end. And so if he develops, you know, some of that, he's a 2025, he's played basketball. He's got some solid tape of him playing above the rim. So if he winds up filling out the way that his brother did and his brother ran pretty well from what I remember too, Ryan, like Mm. in terms of 40 yard dashes and, and testing and things like that. You know, we have this tight end class in 2025 where you've got Lincoln Cure and Desan Brame and, and all these guys. Don't be surprised if, if this Hobie kid, if things come together for him a little bit, if he doesn't wind up joining that group and maybe even slipping into a Big 12 offer, you know, if not, certainly, you know, I would think Mac schools would be kind of all over him. Hmm. All, right, all right, Ryan. I, I got three. I'm going to be, I'm going to be fast. Right, right. I'm going to be fast and concise, Swain. I love it. Three. Uh, the first one that I'm going to mention is a guy that Kevin and I saw, and he will be – he's already on KU and K-State's ra- radar, and those are the only radars for the time being. Um, <laughs> maybe Oklahoma State. I think they're starting to poke around a little bit. That's yeah. Andre Williams Jr. at Wichita East. Um, he's an edge. I'm believing for you. I'm he's an edge kid, 2025. Um, the body is already there. Um, he's going to get um, you know good coaching uh, at Wichita East from a guy named Shaq Reed that was uh, played at K-State. Uh, KU recruited him as well, was highly thought of out of Butler County Community College. So uh, they've moved him down. He used to be Wichita Northwest, if you can believe that, how stacked that roster is. If you imagine Andre Williams on it, it's not yeah. even fair. But uh, Wichita East moved him down, put his hand in the ground. So he's developing there as we see this season. Uh, that's a kid that I think could really blow up more into, in camps, um, probably coming up in the spring or maybe some of those junior days like you talked about, Swain. Uh, another one that I want to talk about is Dawson Merritt at mm. Blue Valley. Uh, nice. We've kind of been under the impression that McGuire Richmond is the kind of the, the, the power five linebacker type. And this isn't to say McGuire is not, 
He's Mason Richmond's younger brother. Mason started as a redshirt freshman offensive tackle at Iowa out of Blue Valley High School as well. So you know the bloodlines are good there. McGuire is a really good player. I mean, he really is. Uh, he's an Austin Moore for K-State fans listening. He's an Austin Moore type. But Dawson Merritt is more what uh, the Power Five coaches are looking for at linebacker right now, which is right that lean frame but long. He is incredibly long. Uh, Iowa State has offered him. Boston College has offered him. I don't think it will end there. I think they will come fast and furious uh, once his junior tape gets around another 25. And the last guy I want to talk about is somebody that I saw last Friday night, one of several on Gardner Edgerton. And I'm going to type up a more uh, long form article to come that will include several other guys. One of which teaser was at KU last weekend that I really liked, but Braven Powell is the quarterback at Gardner Edgerton. He, I talked with him afterwards. He would like to stay a quarterback, but, He's probably not going to stay a quarterback if he mm. wants to go to the highest level. 6'3", 200-pound athlete. Iowa State's all over him. Uh, KU is after him pretty hard as well as North Dakota State. Those were three that he kind of highlighted to me. A really good athlete. Uh, I, I think you can put him at linebacker. Then you put him at safety. Head coach Jesse Owens said it doesn't matter. He's a really good teammate, good leader, and an athlete that could play anywhere across the board. Uh, he's going to have a lot of tape, right? Um, because Gardner Edgerton, I would think, would be the favorite to get to the 6A finals out of the Eastern bracket. So he's going to have a lot of tape. It's going to be kind of seeing some of that soft or that sophomore tape when he was a receiver last year, seeing mm-hmm. kind of what he does on the run as a quarterback in his junior tape, and kind of putting the pieces together and saying, "Do I trust my God on what this kid can be?" He's a high level player. I, I, he's a I, I'm really interested. He, he's one of those guys that outruns angles sometimes because I don't think people realize how fast he's going. You know, if he gets to the sideline, you look at him and you're like, he's kind of jogging along. And then he, he just kind of goes, he's got a great frame too, Swain. I mean, this is a kid that like, I mean, 200, but I mean, he's, he's filled out well in his lower half. I mean, strong thighs. Um, so, I mean, this kid could easily be, you know, 225 uh, and and be the kind of outside linebacker, again, like I was talking with Merritt. Um, mm. I really like Raven Powell, one of several on Gardner Edgerton, I think is going way beneath the radar. I love it. And I can add on the Dawson Merritt point. I know Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator for KU, was at his game um, this past Friday. No offer as of yet, but sometimes these things, right, you, you wait until you get him on campus for a visit, then you can sure. do it kind of in person and – connect that way. So we'll see. KU's evaluated him. They know about him. Um, I think they'll end up offering because I think you're right. He does have kind of that frame and that athletic profile. I think a lot of uh, a lot of Power 5 staffs would like, and I think the local staffs too would like to get in on. So I think that's what we've got in only an hour and six minutes. Only, that's only. I'm done. I'm wrapping it up. Yeah, that's pretty good for us sometimes. But thank you, as always, for listening to Interstate, the State of Kansas recruiting show. Um, we'll definitely continue more of these throughout the fall as we see more games and as the recruiting process for some of these guys really starts to unfold as game day visits start happening and as we kind of get into the playoffs. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you all again soon. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. 
I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.